Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Draft Atlas, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? This is Chris Tripodi of DraftAnalyst.com, and Tony Pauline joins me as always as we keep on rolling through bowl season. We have several games to break down as we head into the home stretch. Tired yet, Tony? I'm okay, Chris. Uh, getting closer to the uh, semifinal games, which is exciting. It's going to be a nice weekend with all the college bowl games and the final weekend of regular season in the NFL. A lot of good players that we're going to be talking about over the next couple of podcasts and as well as some breaking news. And we'll start with the Music City Bowl featuring 7-5 and five Auburn and 6-6 six and six Purdue. Now, if you looked only at the NFL prospects in this game, it would lead you to expect that this one's really going to be a blowout. But in the end, it's only a three and a half point spread. The Tigers have been very disappointing this year, and, and that starts with quarterback Jarrett Stidham, barely 200 yards per game and a 60% completion rate, only 13 touchdowns. This is a big game for Stidham here. He's got a big offseason ahead. That includes the senior bowl. Tony, what are your thoughts on Stidham and some of the other guys in this game? Yeah, I, I think you mentioned it right. I mean, Auburn was disappointing. That's why Gus Malzahn is having there's so much heat on him. There's a feeling that these guys don't play up to their level of expectation. And they're going against uh, Purdue, who basically does it with smoke and mirrors. I mean, you, you look at our draft board. Before we even get to Stidham, look at Derek Brown. Six foot four, 325 pounds. I've got to imagine he's going to enter the draft, though I've heard nothing uh, concrete about it. He's a big playmaking defensive lineman who can stuff the run. He's also a decent pass rusher, very athletic, moves well for such a big man. Finished the year with nine and a half tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, five quarterback hurries, broke up two passes and 45 tackles. I mean, when he is on his game, he controls the line of scrimmage, but I think scouts expected more of him, despite the fact that he's got so much upside potential. Getting to Stidham, I mean, coming into the season, I thought that Stidham could compete to be a first-round pick. It really never came to fruition, never really improved his game from the good play that we saw in 2017. He's got the size. He's got the head. He's got the arm strength to start at the next level. But at times during the 2018 campaign, he looked pedestrian. I mean, what are you looking for? You want to see him exploit a Purdue offense that's very exploitable. I mean, you want to see him get in a groove with his receivers, which he struggled to do during the season. Now, people have confided in me that part of the problem with Stidham was that it was a very easy one-read offense at Auburn, and they really didn't mix it up. He's more of a pocket passer. He's a guy who is a thinking man's quarterback. I want to see him play positive football for four quarters. I don't want to see him make mental mistakes, and I want to see some accuracy. Uh, You know, he's really got to start to turn the tide in his favor since he declared for the draft. This will be a good stepping stone to the senior bowl, which he's going to be playing at, to hopefully uh, recover some of his lost draft stock. Now, speaking of the Senior Bowl, there are two teammates of Stidham's that are also going to be playing there. That's defensive tackle Dontavious Russell and also linebacker Deshaun Davis. We have both ranked as late rounders. Russell is a guy who doesn't impact the passing game quite like Derek Brown does, as you mentioned earlier. But Russell is a gap occupier. He's a guy that's going to open things up for teammates and, and really play strong against the run. 
Davis, on the other hand, is one of the SEC's leading tacklers. He makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage as well. Tony, what do you like and dislike about both of these guys as prospects? I think Dontavious Russell's just not much of a playmaker. He's more of a big-bodied guy, as you said, who occupies the gaps. I think he's got limited upside. Javaris Davis, the cornerback, is a guy who to keep an eye on, especially with the Purdue high-powered passing offense. You know, how is he going to respond? He's a guy who, after a sophomore season, I thought he had top 45 potential. His game has kind of leveled off ever since. You know, as you mentioned, I mean, on paper, this is a game where Auburn should blow out Purdue, but we got to wait and see how the Deshaun Davises and the Jared Stidhams and the Dontavious Russells play. Do they play up to their level of ability or do they just play up to the level of competition? Now we'll move on to the second game of the day now, and that's the Camping World Bowl between 9-3 Syracuse and 8-3 West Virginia. Now there are some key players not playing in this game. On the Mountaineer side, that's quarterback Will Greer, wide receiver Gary Jennings, and offensive tackle Yadni Kajust. On the Syracuse side, that's defensive tackle McKinley Williams. Out of the guys who are left, Tony, who interests you most? Well, obviously, it would be our friend Colton McKivitz, who we've spoken about a bunch of times and who we had some of his opponents speak about. Everyone talks about Yadni Kajus, but again, on my board, Colton McKivitz is the better pro prospect. He's got better length. He's more agile. He's got better footwork and space. He's better in motion. I think he plays with a nastier, headier attitude on the field. I mean, Syracuse doesn't have a great pass rushing team. I think the pass rush is going to be hurt by the fact that McKinley Williams is not going to be playing in this game because it takes basically some of the pressure off on the inside where he was double teamed. So obviously you're going to watch Colton McKivitz of West Virginia and then the receiver, David Sills, especially now that Will Greer is not going to be throwing him the ball. You want to see David Sills have a big game. I can see David Sills having a big game because he's not reliant on his quarterback. He is just a really good football player. And I got to say this, I don't know that Kajust or Will Greer or some of the other guys who are sitting out really have a lot to gain by not playing in the bowl game. You know, I understand no one wants to get hurt. They want to be careful for the next level futures, but especially Will Greer. This is a Syracuse team that does not have a great offense. They don't have a great secondary. This is a team that Will Greer should be able to exploit, so why not play in the game? Yeah, and it's not like Will Greer or Kajus, as you mentioned. It's not like these guys are lock first-round picks where if they get hurt and drop into the early part of day three, you know, kind of like a Jake Butt type of thing, that these guys are going to be costing themselves millions of dollars. Obviously, it's a trend that we're just going to have to get used to in terms of players skipping bowl games. For the most part, I understand it. As you said, there's injury risk. There are reasons for them to protect themselves. But when you're not a lock first-round prospect or a guy that's going to go in the top 45 for sure, it makes it a little bit tougher to justify the decision here. Kind of moving back to the prospects, you mentioned McKivitz. You know, we discussed a couple podcasts ago when Charles Amenahu, when West Virginia played against Texas, when, you know, he said that he came into the game thinking that Kajus was the better prospect. He left the game saying, hey, Colton McKivitz is the guy on this team. So it's not just us who has McKivitz higher. If Charles Amenahu had a draft board, he would have Colton McKivitz higher as well, whatever that's worth. Speaking of some of the guys you mentioned already, David Sills, we'll see him at the Senior Bowl. We'll also see tight end Trevon Wesco as well. Now, he's listed as a fullback on the Senior Bowl roster. 24 of his 26 career catches came this season. He's 270-plus pounds. He's a good blocker, but he also showed off his receiving chops. Even with Greer out, he's a guy to watch as somebody who could help West Virginia move the offense. And on the other side, there is still a quarterback to watch in this game, even if it's not someone on the level of Will Greer, and that's Syracuse's Eric Dungy. He's done a really nice job operating Dino Babers' spread offense for the Orange. 
that offense tends to cover up some flaws in quarterbacks. And Dungy is a guy who really doesn't stand out in any one aspect. We do have him graded as a free agent prospect, but he is a guy to watch in this game, especially as now the best quarterback that's going to be playing. Any thoughts on some of those guys, Tony? I mean, Wesco is potentially a number three tight end at the next level. I've watched him. I charted him. I I had him graded coming into the season, even though he was dismissed by scouts. Uh, He's going to be at the senior ball, I think, more by default because of the fact that the senior class at the tight end position is just not good. But he has a place at the next level as as a number three tight end. Dungy's a guy who I like. I think he's a guy you can work with for the next level. Maybe a practice squad type of player. Had his ups and downs at Syracuse, but showed some stick-to-itiveness and basically finished out the year and and did a good job. Don't know that he's going to get drafted. I think he's going to be more of an undrafted free agent you're going to have to uh, work with. Keep an eye on Syracuse's left tackle, Coda Martin, who came to Syracuse via Texas A&M. You know, Syracuse doesn't use a tight end too much. It's more of a wide-open system. Coda Martin is a legitimate next-level prospect. I have him just out of draftable range right now. He came into the season with a seventh-round grade from scouts. I could see him getting a a combine invitation because there aren't a lot of offensive tackles this year, and and teams want offensive tackles in the draft. They're going to want to see these guys. So keep an eye on Coda Martin because of his pass protecting skills. Should be interesting because West Virginia always has some good undersized speed rushers. Well, the game we just discussed is missing a bunch of skill players. The Alamo Bowl between 10 and 2 Washington State and 8 and 4 Iowa State features several interesting guys uh, in terms of running backs and wide receivers, guys who are going to touch the ball often at the NFL level. The first guy to look at from Iowa State is David Montgomery, one of the top rushers in the Big 12. He's got good size at 5'11", 215 pounds, quick feet, enough speed to turn the corner, and he shows ability as a receiver, even if he wasn't used as much in the passing game this year as he was last year. The other guy to feature also on Iowa State here is Hakeem Butler, six foot six. As a receiver, second in the nation in yards per catch. He runs well. He shows ability after the catch. He has good ball skills and contested catch ability. With that height and with his ability after the catch and down the field, it'll be really interesting to see what he's able to do. He's been a riser throughout the year. Tony, how do you feel about these guys and some of the others playing in this game? Yeah, both underclassmen. Let's start off with David Montgomery with the most recent news that I'm hearing about him. I'm told right now it's 50-50 whether or not he's going to enter the draft. It's not a definite. I think in the end he's going to enter the draft, but from what I'm hearing is he's getting a variety of opinions. He's been speaking with a lot of agents. His head coach, Matt Campbell of Iowa State, is very involved in the process. So David Montgomery, because of the lack of running backs in this year's draft class, if he enters, he's going to move into the top five at that position. As far as him as a player, I still think he's, you know, you said he's got the speed to turn the corner. I still think he's more of an interior runner. He's not really quick. He's not really flashy, but the guy just does the little things well. He's a terrific blocker. He shows great vision. He shows great instincts, consistent pass catcher out of the backfield. I don't think he's going to wow anybody with great pre-draft workouts, but I think he's going to be very good back at the next level in the right system. If he enters the draft, as I said, I'm hearing it's about 50-50 right now. I think he does in the end. But he's approaching the draft the way he approaches the game. Very methodical, very detailed, basically doing all the little things and doing a very detailed job of it. So more power to him. Hakeem Butler, like you said, on film, he's great. My question is, and the question that scouts have is, how fast is he? Can he separate at the next level? Or is he a guy who just wins out for the 50-50 balls on the college level? Remember, they had a receiver there last year by the name of Alan Lazard, who was just as big, 
just as fast as Hakeem Butler, just as productive, and went undrafted. And there's a concern that Hakeem Butler is basically going to be the next sort of Alan Lazard in the sense that he's just a big receiver on the college level who wins out for contested passes. Not going to be able to do that in the NFL. Haven't heard really too much about him potentially entering the draft. If he does, you know, they'll come down the 40 and shuttle times. And it'll be very interesting to see where he ends up. I have him right now as a fourth rounder. I know there are some people who think he's a second day pick. Scouts I've spoken with feel that he's more of a late round type of prospect. Now we'll move along to a player we discussed on the podcast a few weeks ago in the last game he played, and that's Washington State quarterback Gardner Minshew, graduate transfer from East Carolina. He doubled his yardage and touchdown production this year in Mike Leach's wide-open offense. In that game against Washington that we discussed, wasn't overly impressive, did have some weather issues to deal with, but didn't really stand out beyond that either. We'll see him, and we'll also see his teammate, offensive tackle Andre Dillard, both at the senior bowl. Tony, what are your thoughts on Minshew and Dillard and, and what are you looking for out of them in this game? You know, Minshew's a good story. I just don't know that he's a good prospect for the next level. I mean, he gets it between the ears. He was a guy who was a bit of a novelty with the mustache and everything else. And the fact that Washington State really for the first three months, three and a half months of the season were the story in the Pac-12 until they lost that game to Washington. Mike Leach's system oftentimes exaggerates a lot of things and often hides some deficiencies in a quarterback's game. And that deficiency for Minshew is the lack of a true deep arm or a lack of true deep accuracy. Good to see that he's going to be going at the uh, Senior Bowl. As we've talked about in the past, the Senior Bowl can be a kingmaker at the quarterback position. I still think that if he gets drafted, it's in the very late rounds, which I don't think is the case with Andre Dillard. Andre Dillard is a guy who gave me a lot more than I expected coming into the season. When I watched the film off of 2017, I thought he was more of a third-day guy. He basically has just stepped up his game and basically steps up to every challenge each and every Saturday this season. He's not the prettiest tackle. He's not the most athletic guy. He doesn't have the greatest footwork, but he's got excellent size at six foot five, 310 pounds. He blocks with excellent leverage. I love the way he uses angles, the way he uses his hands and body positioning, really to shut down some of the better pass rushers that have come his way. You know, we talked about before how Syracuse doesn't use a tight end in a traditional uh, sense. Uh, that's why I said keep an eye on their left tackle, Coda Martin. Same thing here with Washington State. I mean, they really don't use use a tight end in tight. So oftentimes Andre Dillard, even though he's on a left tackle, he's got to do it all by himself. So keep an eye on Dillard in his game because his draft stock has been on a straight shot north. He can continue the momentum here and then move on to the senior bowl. And that'll do it for the 14th episode of the Draft Analysts presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and all the other major podcast platforms. You can leave us a rating and a review, and feel free to also send us questions to answer on the show, either via review or on Twitter. You can find us at Tony Pauline, at Chris Tripodi, at Draft Analyst One, or at Believe Podcasts. Head over to DraftAnalyst.com for everything you need on this year's bowl games and April's draft. We'll have previews up for the rest of the games moving forward to help you follow along with the prospects that you need to know. We'll be back tomorrow with another show breaking down Saturday's non-semifinal playoff games. And on behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.